poking my head back in this little land. It's 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 kind of fun to sit here again and and talk with you. Hi there. I'm Greg Flynn and this is The Bind, a podcast for men and the people that love them. It's all about helping men untangle the beliefs and behaviors that keep us stuck, stressed, and in shame. You can't do this alone, guys. Thanks for joining me. Let's dive in. So a few people have asked me in the last few weeks about the podcast, about uh, The Bind, and yeah, I wanted to, it just got me, it got me thinking, you know, and it, it had, it suddenly got me thinking about this, this project again, in a way that I hadn't been, I I had quite honestly, like put it into the back burner intentionally to allow it to kind of percolate. But the intention here is to not just let this go. The intention is to allow it to grow and evolve. And it's not quite, it's not quite there, I don't think. Um, it's not quite in my mind exactly where I want it to be, but that got me thinking about it. The couple people asking about it. And then we had a session last week in my group, the group that I've been running now for three and a half years that was really moving to me. And it brought some stuff up that I feel like I just wanted to talk about. And so it, it got me deciding to, to make a recording to put out an episode and just say hello, you know? So to those who are listening right now, thanks for bearing with me. I am sitting with the question of like, what is it I want this, this thing to be? And how do I want it to meet the, the kind of work that I'm doing and the way that I'm working and the kinds of things I'm learning through my work? And the, the question of like, what does that look like is still on my mind. I'm, I'm honestly, like I said, I'm not entirely sure. Part of that is because I've just been really full and tired, quite honestly. And I am going to be um, giving myself a little bit of a break here very soon. And that's going to feel good. And I think it's going to help. So we'll see what happens on the other side of that. But for now... Let's just talk about this. So we had this great session and one of the guys in the group, all the guys in the group ask great questions. They always do. And one of the guys brought in a couple of really great questions after this subject came up in the group, in the sharing. And I'll get to those questions. But first, what I'll do is I'll share like as as the group was sharing, men were checking in and we were touching base on what is alive in, in our lives in the room, there was a common thread that started to emerge. And that common thread was grief. And grief is something that I feel like in a lot of ways is at the center of this work. And it, and it kind of always has been. It's been at the center of a lot of what I've done over the years, I think. I remember back when I worked at the University of Washington, and I was introducing the the, the organization within the university that I worked with, I was introducing to them the concepts uh, put forward by William and Susan Bridges of transition management, right? And, and so this is, 
this isn't necessarily related to men's stuff, obviously, but like in organizations, we have, there's this thing called change management and you, you know, you see a lot, especially in like tech companies or in big companies, you know, where you're, you're implementing some new system or you're bringing in a new technology or you're making any kind of change really. And, you know, there's a whole pro there's processes for this. And there's actually like multiple kinds of processes and people who are become experts in this and certified and blah, blah, blah. Change management is really important. And what happens with change management is you focus on changes that are being made and you implement plans. And hopefully those plans involve addressing the humans that are being impacted by that change in some way or another. But what William and Susan Bridges introduce is the idea of transition management, which is separate from change, right? So change is like an event. It's a thing that happens that gets changed. The transition is the emotional and psychological impact of that change. And one of the things that William and Susan Bridges say in their book, Transition Management, is that people do not feel, fear change. People, people fear loss. And when we are in the territory of loss, we are in the territory of grief. I'll say that again. When we are in the territory of loss, we are in the territory of grief. And part of the reason I brought this in when I was at the University of Washington was because we were doing some big change projects in this office. And what I wanted to introduce was that we, if we get pushback and if we get some resistance, that largely it's because there is a loss that's present and that loss is actually core to identity. It's actually core to, well, if we don't do this thing that way, then who am I? And because we had people in the office who'd been working there for 20 or 30 years and they'd been working in very particular ways. And now we're asking them to take a left turn and go in a completely different direction. So that brought up a lot of loss and that loss brought up grief, you know? And the problem is, is like, we couldn't in the office, there was a sense, and this is years ago, so I didn't, I wasn't in a place where I could, I mean, I talked about grief, but like I wasn't in a place where I was like, let's actually do some grief processes. That's not where I was. I wish I was. <laughs> and I'll name, you know, I'm not an expert on grief. I'm not. Uh, I've, you know, been in my own grief processes over the years, and I've done reading. The, the two books that I recommend to folks that I love are uh, The Wild Edge of Sorrow by Francis Weller and The Smell of Rain on Dust by Martine Prechtel. Both are remarkable books on grief for different reasons. Um, one of the things I've noticed for myself is sometimes a tendency to confuse unprocessed grief with kind of sad, just a run-of-the-mill underlying sadness. And part of that is because I think I've noticed uh, very few places in the world to actually process grief and very few places where grief is welcome in very real ways. And, and so when we don't process it, it kind of sticks around. And when, when we don't have a place to process it and it sticks around, oftentimes it can get ignored or dismissed. I've ignored it and dismissed it myself many times. And I think it, it got me in trouble at times in my life. The thing is, is that it, it's, it's part of life. It's part of life. And, you know, when we, when, when William and Susan Bridges talk about loss being the thing that we fear, if we're living, we're losing things. Like that's just the reality. And so over the course of a lifetime, we are going to lose things. And that's going to create create different kinds of grief. Now, there's, you know, William uh, Francis Weller 
talks about different kinds of grief. He has like five gateways and I don't have the book with me and I didn't do my research well enough to have pulled his five gateways to grief in place, but there's different levels to this stuff, right? Like losing a partner or losing somebody close to us, a parent is very different than losing a job, but they're both losses and can impact us in similar ways, depending on our attachment to the job. And losing a sense of identity or losing a sense of purpose has a different kind of grief. So does one of the, one of the gateways of grief that Francis Weller talks about is like what our physiology and our biology was expecting when we arrived here. Cause we're, we haven't evolved physically in a couple hundred thousand years, right? Humans are humans. <laughs> and, and yet we live in a culture in which we are born into a nuclear family and very frequently we're only met with the way he phrases it is something like our bodies are physiologically wired to wake up to the gaze of like 50 or 60 pairs of eyes. And because we're, we're biologically wired to be in community, but we don't usually only wake up to the gaze of a couple pairs of eyes if we're lucky and we get that. So that's a kind of loss. There's all kinds, you know, there's, and there were all kinds in the, in the group. And one of the even guys even was like, is it possible to be feeling grief and not know what it's for? You know, it's like, yeah, it is. It absolutely is possible to feel grief and not know what it's for. The thing is, is that grief is an energy that has to be worked with. It has to, it doesn't, it doesn't, Michael Stipe, I don't know where I first heard this, but like Michael Stipe made a statement years ago, like when talking about like throwing things in the garbage, we throw them away. It's like, there is no away. The same thing is true here. There is no away for grief. We can't just get rid of it. It has to be processed and metabolized and worked with. And there's, there's all kinds of ways to do that. And, and some of them are, are, there's like rituals and and things. And there's, they talk about those in those books and religions have them. There's a reason I'm Jewish, and there's a reason that on the anniversary of 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 somebody's death, every year you light a candle in their memory and say the Kaddish. That's part of a grief process that changes over the course of years, but it starts with that first year, which is supposed to be like the way that it's held in the, in, a, in the Jewish tradition is like for that first year you're supposed to not go to the movies and not eat out and not do things that you enjoy because you're supposed to be grieving. So this actually kind of brings us to the questions that the guy in my group asked, the guy in the circle. Each of these guys, like all of us, carry a lot of grief, different kinds of grief, different kinds of losses, different kinds of, yeah, different kinds of weights of emotion. And, you know, and for each of us and for each of them, it ebbs and flows, right? It's like the moon. Sometimes the moon is full and right there and like in our face. And sometimes the moon is new and dark and not seen. And sometimes grief comes and is right with us. And sometimes it ebbs and flows back. But it's there. It's present with us. And it can be a lot. For most of us, it's a lot. And like I said, it's, it's the nature of being alive 
we are living our lives, we will lose things. And if we lose things, we will have things to grieve. And some of those things are clear, direct things we can identify. And some of those things are more subtle things we can't necessarily identify. And maybe some of those things even aren't ours. You know, thinking about the the relationship between this and epigenetics and the intergenerational trauma that gets handed down. What is it for, you know, sticking to my identity as a Jewish person? What is there that's actually in my body that comes from generations of people who were, you know, living in some kind of oppression? You know, my family prior to coming to this country lived in that experience. So what lives in me? You know, there there may be things there for me to be working with. You know, I, I mentioned this in the group and one of the guys said, yeah, but how much grief is enough? Like, at what point do I move on from this? That, which is an excellent question and can probably be asked from a couple of different places. One is the place that he originally asked it, which was a bit of exasperation, a bit of desperation even, a bit of please make it stop. I want to move on. I want, I want to, I want something different. And that, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know that we get the answer to that question. But what if the question's asked from the place of, of a gratitude for what grief and being in process with grief gives us? Because it's not just about being in a heavy place all the time and just living in the weighty, heavy feeling of grief. I've said this before in our on this podcast. Our capacity to experience the full joy of life is in direct proportion to our capacity to be in our grief and despair. Our capacity to feel the full joy of life is in directly in is in direct proportion to the capacity to feel our grief and despair. And so, if that's the case. How much grief is enough? Like, how much? Let's work with it. We get what we get, you know? And that's not to say, like, we should, you know, we're victims. And it's to say, it's to recognize, like, this is this is a, a reality. Like, this is, the, this is what my life is right now. This is what I'm experiencing. To deny that is to sever ourselves from an experience that is, one of the most human experiences there can be. And I don't even say it human because I don't think it's just a human thing. You hear all kinds of stories of elephants are, I think are well known for grieving their dead. What are we experiencing right now when we're watching orcas attack billionaire yachts? How much grief is embedded in that, right? So there's grief as a living, a life force energy. The, the other question he asked was, well, how, how do I work with it? How do I work with it? What do I do? Which is another question that can be asked for, from exasperation. And there was a little bit of it in his voice when he asked the question originally. And I get it because it's like, okay, great, fuck. Like I'm, I'm a product of modernity. I'm a product of this, you know, this society. I don't know how to do this. Do you? <laughs> you know? I'm learning more. I don't know a whole lot about it, but I'm I'm wanting to. And I think that another way we can ask that question is how do I work with this? 
tell me, how do I work with this? And so that was our homework assignment. This, this past week was identify a grief you're feeling, spend some time with it, be with it, feel it, and ask it, what do you need? What do you need? One of the things that I understand, mostly from reading Martin Brechtel's book, Smell of Rain on Dust, is the value of water in, in grief ritual. And what is it to go to bodies of water and ask the bodies of water to help hold your grief? That's something that I've, I've done some of and tend to do some more of. The question of how do I work with this? Tell me how to work with this. What might it look like? Some people burn their grief, take it to the water, as I said, take it and bury it somewhere, but with intention not to hide it away, but to actually like ask for support in holding it. And the other thing is, is to recognize that grief isn't a solo process. It's not a solo adventure. It's a, it's a communal one. It's something that we do together. We have to surprise <laughs> and that, that together can be with other humans and it can be with the world to get to. So there you have it. Grief. My, uh, poking my head back in this little land. It's, it's, it's kind of fun to sit here again and, and talk with you. I'm curious what this stirs in your heart. And for those that are, you know, like, Oh, I don't know if I feel any grief. Okay. Just when you do, maybe bring some of this in. Maybe like bookmark this and come back to it or go grab those books. Or the next time you're feeling sad, maybe ask yourself, am I feeling sad or am I feeling grief? Or some combination of the two. And if you feel like the thing you are grieving that you have grief for is too small, know that it isn't. And if it's too big to hold, reach out to somebody to help you hold it. Shoot me an email. Call a friend, family member go to a tree or a body of water. And if you feel like that's too much for you, just take a small bite. There's no reason to feel like you need to do it all at once. You've got a whole life to get a whole life. So that's, that's some thoughts dropping in here on a uh, September morning as we approach, I don't know why I keep bringing up my Jewish heritage here, but we approach uh, the Jewish New Year, Rosh Hashanah, and the High Holy Days, and Yom Kippur, and all these places that are all around this very topic, right? Grief is woven through that, as is celebration. I wish you, I wish you as, you know, Martin Prechtel's book, The Smell of Rain on Dust, is I forget what the subtitle is, but within the subtitle are the words grief and praise. So I wish you grief and praise in your life. I would love to hear from you. Let me know what stirs in you when you think about what you might want this to become. If there's anything in you, I don't know, you don't have to. You can always reach me at greg at gregorybflynn.com. And I would love to yeah, hear your thoughts about this. I would like to hear what you're feeling good about what you're feeling stuck about and let me know yeah in the meantime thank you deep gratitude to you and i will look forward to our next connection cheers 